Toronto Blue Jays head into Cleveland and they take care of business. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 125 of Buds and Blue Jays, your place for everything related to the Toronto Blue Jays. I'm Jesse Burrell. That's Riley McConnell. Welcome back to the show. A little caveat here, guys. We are going to go through the series recap of the Cleveland Guardians and the Toronto Blue Jays. But because, you know, we're busy, guys, we got a lot of stuff going on. We are recording this game before the series finale on Thursday afternoon. So if something dramatic happens in that Thursday series, series we're going to miss it we'll talk about it on the next episode maybe we'll throw up a youtube short or something but for the sake of this episode we are just going through the first three games and boy a lot happened so we can fill an episode's worth of these three games in cleveland um the blue jays got some great pitching we had some historic hitting performances as well the bullpen had its had its flares but got the job done ultimately and some injury updates as well in this episode and so much more but first riley what are your first thoughts after this series against cleveland I, I look and I see in games two and three, we traded one nothing wins with yeah, Cleveland. Fair, right? So when you see something like that, you know that there was some good pitching in this series, Jesse. And that's, you know, I'm quite proud of how uh, the performance of our pitchers was. Not so much the bats, Jesse, but I really, really like what our pitchers have done so far against the Cleveland Guardians. What's the old saying? Pitching and defense will win you ball games. Well, it definitely did for the Toronto Blue Jays in this series. We'll get into the offense a little more, see if there's any concerns or what needs to be better for this Toronto Blue Jays. But first, guys, I want to say thank you to everyone who loved our Davis Schneider hype video. We are hyped about Davis Schneider, too. Thank you for all of us who are joining us. If you've been a longtime listener. Thank you. First of all, continue to like the video, support the channel, all that stuff. We are on our goal to 500. So we want to get there soon. And we want you guys to keep the support up along with us. Comment on our video, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, anywhere you can find your podcast. You can find us. Riley and I will interact with you on there and all that fun stuff. But before we get into the game recaps, as we've been doing all season, this is episode 125. So I have some Blue Jays related stats with the numbers 125. And there are some good names on this list here today. Number 125, Riley, is one of your favorite Blue Jays of all time and recent Hall of Famer, Fred McGriff. That's his home run total for the Toronto Blue Jays. 125 is also the stolen base total for one of my favorite Immaculate Grid players, and that is Rajai Davis. He had 125 as the Toronto Blue Jay. 125 is also the amount of earned runs that Jim Clancy has given up in his time with the Toronto Blue Jays. And then in our hitting war, number 125 in this list is Rick Leach, who I didn't know that well. He played from the Blue Jays from 84 through 89, so he was on some good Blue Jays teams there. And number 125 in pitcher war for the Toronto Blue Jays, Ryan Tapera, who closed out a bunch of games in that 2017-2018 season for the Toronto Blue Jays. Riley, got a thought on any of those names there before we dive into this series? Yes, I do. I got a thought on recent Hall of Famer Fred McGriff, Veterans Committee or whatever you want to call it, played in an era where she was tight to get into All-Star games and win hard uh, hardware, but um, t- famously, and it's a number that sticks out, you know Babe Ruth has 714. I know that Fred McGriff has 493 home runs, ties him with Lou Gehrig for something something on the all-time list. Don't know. That's not important. Seven shy of 500. Great career, Fred McGriff. And uh, yeah, some good names all around uh, as well, Jesse. All right, let's get into the game recaps of the three games for those of you who might not have been able to watch them all. Game one of this series, the Blue Jays were locked in a pitcher's duel as Gavin Williams and Hunjin Ryu started the game. Uh, Hunjin Ryu actually didn't allow a hit in his four innings. He actually only allowed one base run or two. Gavin Williams was just as good on the other side for Cleveland, going seven innings, one hit, one walk with 12 strikeouts. 
The Blue Jays were able to break things open, though, in the top of the eighth when Kevin Biggio had a two-run home run to give the Blue Jays the lead. They ended up giving a run in the bottom half, and they added insurance in the third. Things got a little dicey in the ninth, but they were able to get the job done as the Blue Jays hold on to a 3-1 victory. Going into game two, the theme of pitching continued, Riley. The Blue Jays actually outhit the Guardians 9-3 in this series, but ultimately it's the one that counts as Ramon Laureano was able to burst a double down the line off Yusei Kikuchi in the second inning. And that was the only run Cleveland needed as the Blue Jays struggled to hit with runners in scoring position yet again. But Yusei Kikuchi was dominant in this one. Seven innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, one walk, and six strikeouts. We'll get to more into him later in the episode. And in the game that happened earlier this afternoon, it was the Blue Jays' turn for the one nothing victory as they got their run in the first inning, second batter of the game. Not a leadoff dong for George Springer, who we'll talk about later in this episode here as well, with a solo home run. And the Blue Jays... That score would stick. They end up hitting the Guardians eight to six here again and ultimately win this game one to nothing with Eric Swanson, Tim Meza, and Jordan Hicks all pitching in relief behind a very good Kevin Gosman in this one. So after the series, with the caveat, one more game still to play in the series. The Blue Jays are sitting at 65 and 51. We are in the third and final wild card spot, six games behind the Baltimore Orioles for the AL East and Two and a half up on Seattle, one and a half behind Houston, Riley. So a lot of stuff going on in this series. What do you want to talk about first? So as usual, love to go in chronological order of these games. And um, yeah, if you want to call him the hero of game one, I mean, he did it on both sides of the ball. Jesse, a late home run, um, uh, cashed himself and a base runner in. And then on the defensive side, made a very different kind of double play where he actually fielded the ball to his left, being the first base side, and um, basically tagged the runner going to second base and stepped on first base himself. Four unassisted in the score, but not, not a traditional, you know, double play by any means, but at that time it's, it's the right, it's really the right play to make. I mean, there's a famous play um, in the 1993 um, AL championship series against the White Sox where Dave Stewart basically ran the ball on a comebacker back to first. He was, he was, had adrenaline. He was pumped up and he just, you know, didn't he want to throw if his, if his got sure legs, that's fine. Um, Biggio had more of a reason to do, to do this. Didn't really want to make a throw. He's probably six feet from the bag and, um, he ended up getting the out, and obviously, uh, Biggio has not had the best time at the dish. Uh, we've seen him. Um, we've seen him with a, a few good home runs this year, yeah, and Jesse, surprisingly you can, better than you think, especially lately. You can add another, you know, very important home run to this Jays season. I'm not saying he single handedly won this game for us, but he certainly was the main contributor in our game one victory. Yeah, um, I was at a game earlier this year against the White Sox. I remember Kevin Biggio had a big three-run home run against Lance Lynn in that game to give the Blue Jays a lead. So Kevin Biggio does have a little bit of this clutch gene to him, you know. And look, Kevin Biggio has been the gripe of Blue Jays fans for a long time. My roommate here, Stephanie, she uh, loves the Blue Jays can't stand Kevin Biggio and I know she is not alone in that group but you have to give the guy some respect here I don't have the exact stat but I think since the all-star break or maybe I don't know when the exact uh, date is but I know he's fourth on the team in OPS Riley fourth on this team like that will play quite well and I have a friend who has constantly told me every time I see him give Kevin Biggio extended at bats 
He will perform. He thinks he runs into trouble when he's playing a bit, sitting a bit, playing a bit, sitting a bit. But with some of the injuries the Blue Jays have had, Kevin Biggio's in the lineup. And look, if he's producing, I think he's got to be in the lineup still even more. I Big thumbs up from us for you, Kevin Biggio. A good way to start our series. We thought it would carry over. Actually, before we get to game two, I want to give some love. Um, this victory, Jesse, was not possible without the help of our catcher. Oh, yes. Uh, being good Danny call. Jansen in this one. I want to talk before we move on. Um, I mean, Danny Jansen uh, catching Jordan Hicks uh, in in the ninth inning of this one in a, a bases loaded situation. You get into this jam, and um, there were three balls that were low. I think uh, like two of them were breaking pitches, and one was the fastball or the sinker. But Danny Jansen did a heck of a job keeping those balls in front of him, preventing those base runners from from potentially you know one scoring or you know getting basically in better position because at that point you know we're only up by two runs it's the late innings but uh this is something you know we've talked about danny jansen's bat and how he's can he's produced some clutch hits at times but if there's a time for clutch defense especially at the catcher position um maybe you know you know jordan hooks yeah he's a guy with a lot of velocity can struggle from lack of control and it's not like he's caught um, you know, Jordan Hicks a ton. So yeah, still kind of getting true. used. Maybe a, <laughs> maybe a few growing pains there too. Who knows? Either way, um, Danny Jansen, very important in holding it down. And, and you know, Hicks getting, a, getting away with the save, you know, made very possible um, by the defense of Danny Jansen in that ninth inning. Yeah, several great blocks from Danny Jansen behind the plate. And you know how hard that is? I know he's calling the pitches, so he knows what pitch is coming. But when he throws 102, upwards of 104, and then he throws that slider five feet in front of the plate and you have to block it, like, that's impressive. Because if one run scores, those runners move up, a fly ball automatically ties the game. And I don't know if the Blue Jays win this game in extra innings. I know Danny Jansen won't appear on any of those win probability charts for his performance in this game, especially because he didn't do so great with the bat in this game. But he deserves every bit as much of this win as maybe even Kevin Biggio did in this game. So like I said, another honorary thumbs up from you and I. I know we've talked about Danny Jansen's bat a lot. We want to see him in the lineup even more. And when he is making defensive plays like this, he is just, that's more it's another point in the in the uh, cap for Danny Jansen I guess you could say that we need him here more often all the time and hey you know what the pair of the you could make a uh, case for either one of those guys being in this lineup every day Jesse I mean I certainly favor one more than the other but for this game in particular we had the right guys on the field and uh, you know we came away with the win and I think that's the most important thing I think if you could, this might be a topic for the offseason, Riley, but if you could combine Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk, take like the framing skills of Kirk, but then the bat of Jansen and then maybe the grit of of Jansen, but then the bat to ball skills that Kirk has, you could have like the best catcher of all time. But unfortunately, you can't do that. And that might be a topic in for the offseason here. 
Riley, I wanted to throw up another thumbs up here, and we're going to move away from game one here, and we are going to talk pitchers. Look, Kevin Gosman was fantastic. Hunjin Ryu was pretty good before leaving his start with injury, and Yusei Kikuchi, my guy, was also very good. We'll get into those a little bit more, but I wanted to talk about George Springer in this one because, look, he went 0 for 35. We've talked about it on the show that this slump is bad. We were thinking, man, maybe this is the start of the decline. Like, where's the power? He only has 13 home runs. But he did something in this series, Riley, that only four Blue Jays have done in franchise history, Riley. And that's, he took a 13 pitch at bat, setting the tone early in game one where he fouled off a bunch of tough pitches before he was able to take a curveball and mash it into deep left field for a home run. The 13 pitch at bat, Riley, that ended in a home run has only happened four times in franchise history. Most recently, it happened in Bo Bichette's rookie year. I remember that one. I feel like I talked about that somewhere about Boba Shett's 13 pitch at bat that ended at the home run. And the other two, Riley, I have the list here somewhere. Oh, Tony Bautista did it. And Dave Berg were the other two names to end an at bat after 13 pitches with a home run, the most in Blue Jays franchise history. So if George Springer's power is coming back and your confidence has to be after a, a game like this and a series like this, it's good news for the Toronto Blue Jays. You're a baseball psychopath, if you remember <laughs> Dave Berg. Dave I, Berg, yep. I do. I, I don't ever consider myself a psychopath. I just played a lot of MLB baseball 2005, um, and and he was a guy in that. Um, George Springer really um, had a monkey on his back, Jesse. And he needed to start something. He needed He needed something. And I'll be honest with you, um, George Springer, as from what I've seen, there's some some strikeouts this year where he I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was going to say the last four pitches, but I've seen him go down on three pitches this year. And it's not a once or twice thing. And, you know, so he needed some sort of spark, some sort of motivation. And, um, well, when you start the ball game with a big fly and collect two hits after that, that's a really it's it's a sign of good things to come from George Springer. And we've seen we, we've seen him hit well, uh, you know, basically up until, you know, this this giant uh hole he's in um he's definitely not out of it by any means yet hey a three hit game will 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 get you you know um you know on the positive side of those numbers um but obviously jesse you want to talk about the impact of the one nothing ball game besides the pitching line i mean your your runs coming off the second batter of the ball game and you're holding that lead right down to there and for george springer yeah could have been the leadoff spot. He could have been in the sixth spot. But for him just to stick out that 13-pitch A-B and take it over the wall, I mean, hey, you can talk about, you know, his legs and we've saved him some in the outfield playing right or whatever. But, I mean, it takes a lot, Jesse. I don't know off the top. I was a pretty free swinger. I don't know how many times I reached double digits in at-bats. And even 10 you're still facing three more pitches at third or you're obviously, you know, 10 plus three, you get three more pitches there. You're fouling pitches off, you know, mm-hmm. taking, taking a ball here. You could foul three balls off, take a ball, you know, it's, you know, they're long, they're drawn out. Uh, George was able to stick with it and put up our only RBI of the game, driving himself in. Uh, and, you know, from there we held on and we ended up taking our one, nothing victory. And that, game was today or i should say this evening 
Yeah, it's it's very good. And if this is what it takes to help get George Springer locked in, we need it. Because Riley, I don't know about you, but we only scored five runs this series, albeit with the game tomorrow. Caveat in mind, of course, baseball's weird. We're probably going to score 12 runs tomorrow. But do you have any level of concern with the offense here? Because look, the Blue Jays pitching has been great, and we'll touch on that a little bit later here. But are you concerned that this offense doesn't have enough right now? Yeah, uh, Jesse, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think you have um, to be. Belt Belt had a nice double. It's nice to see Belt have an extra base hit. Um, certainly my concern right now, man, and uh, it's on a guy um, like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, he did collect two hits in our loss to Cleveland. But Matt Chapman striking out way too much. He did have an infield single in the final inning. It didn't mean a lot. He got on base, and it was an infield single. Uh very disappointed in how he's, you know, approached his at bats. And yes, Barsho, you know, had, uh, well, you know, I'll talk about the specific play, had a bunt base hit. Yeah. Um, but he basically, like a guy who I thought would have more power. And like, we, we don't have a single guy with 20 home runs right now, Jesse. And Still don't, you, yep. sh- you should look around. We could look around this ball club and I could, p- that like, Varsho, Chapman, Guerrero, for me, those guys at this point in the year, they're 20 home run hitters. We're really lacking in that category. So, yes, the concern has always been there. It's somehow relieved with, with the fact that our pitchers have been so good. Uh, so, But, yes, obviously, as far as offense goes, Jesse, you can't not be concerned a little bit that we've only produced five runs in our last three ball games. Look, we gave Brandon Belt props last episode for the bunts that he can drop out to get hits. And Dalton Varshaw, this was part of his skill set. I get it. But, like... If you have to rely on that to get hits consistently, that's what really struggles uh, with me. And look, we've given him the benefit of the doubt. He's got a WRC plus rally of 77. That's dreadful um, for Dalton Varsho. And even Matt Chapman, since the since winning player of the month in April, has also been dreadful. Vladdy's swing decisions still drive me nuts all the time. I saw him swing at a pitch over his head today. That was fun. Um, it's like he's just got to get better uh, at this. And we said at the trade deadline, we'll say it again. This is our core team. These are our core members of the Blue Jays. Like Davis Schneider coming up is great and hitting is fantastic. You know, we have Addison Barger in the minors and getting the support from Kevin Biggio is fantastic. But at the end of the day, it comes down to how well our top performers perform. And if Vladdy isn't performing to that MVP level, I don't know if the Blue Jays are going to reach that ceiling. They ultimately need to. No. And Jesse, that's like, hey, pitching will win you ball games. Absolutely. But then again, man, and like, I still want to, like, I'm surprised you're not wearing his jersey with a lot of pride right now because he's been arguably the best pitcher since the All-Star break and not even on the Toronto Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. He's had the best majors, best ERA in the majors since the All-Star break. And he's he went like seven, in, yep. he went seven innings. He went more than he usually does, man. He did it. He allowed four base runners over seven innings, man. That's unbelievable. Yusei Kikuchi has been absolutely fan-freaking-tastic. And you want to talk about an injustice for him in this ballgame is, hey, they say that pitching wins don't matter, and I get that. They kind of don't, but it's nice. He absolutely deserved to win in this game. Wouldn't it have been nice, Jesse, if he had some run support and we won that game two to one. And maybe we pick up a save and a hold somewhere for our guys in the bullpen who have been just as good 
um, if not better at times than our starting pitching as of late. But Yusei Kikuchi, robbed of the win for sure. Man, our bats have really got to heat up, and they got to heat up now. Uh, this is not, you know, I said it last episode. I said, hey, you got lots of time in the air, blah, blah, blah. But this is the time, Jesse, and we've been hunking her down, but we need to just tune her up even just that much more. And these bats need to come alive, man, because mm -hmm. they they've I don't want to say they've been dead all year. But Jesse, in a way, for what they should be, the bats have been dead all year. Yeah, Jays are like 11th in baseball and run scored. I don't know if that number is exactly there, but it's in that ballpark. And with the names on this team, it should be better than that. But Riley, you kind of mentioned it a little bit there, but. How do you win two games in a series scoring only five runs? It's because your pitching is good. And I saw this on Twitter here. It's that the Blue Jays have now had 36 games this year where they've held their opponents to one or zero runs scored. That is more than 10 than Tampa Bay, who is the next highest on this list. So the pitching has been fantastic all year. We'll touch on the bullpen in a second, but like our starting pitchers in this series, Kevin Gosman, Yusei Kikuchi, and Hunjin Ryu have been fantastic. I got, I got some stuff on Gosman to start, but I want to finish our thought on Kikuchi here. Riley, if the Toronto Blue Jays go into a playoff series tomorrow, you say Kikuchi is starting one of those three games, correct? I um, As of right right now, he absolutely is. He's I think probably so, gonna, right? Gosman, Bassett, Kikuchi, right? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That is what I'm thinking. I really like, listen, I really like what what Jose Brios has done. He has been great. And I'm not, he has, as of late on the season equally as good, but I like to go with who's hot. If it's like you said, if it's, we're going tomorrow and we're making the lineup, we're drawn up what our pitching rotation is and who's the do starter. We're going Kikuchi game three. He's been that good. And he's setting his all. He's, he has his highest amount of like he's he's for a guy who hasn't been in the league. Obviously, you got to remember that he was an international player when he didn't start his big league career at age 22. Um, so the time that he has spent in this league, this is, I would say, by far his best season. If you break down his stats, he's a guy who's been saddled with earn run averages. Let's not talk about last year, but ERAs in the four when he was with the Mariners. And he is vastly Jesse vastly improving his numbers all around the board. And I think it's absolutely fantastic. I have a great vote of confidence when Kikuchi toes are ever. Maybe you were on to something 120 episodes ago when we were talking <laughs> about players maybe, maybe should get. Yes, Jesse, I won't lie to you. It took a minute for him to really take form on this Blue Jays team, but he is absolutely um, one of our best pitchers right now. Arguably, you could say that you have just as much confidence as him going on as Gosman. I know that sounds crazy, but he's our second best pitcher right now, Jesse. And that's like, insane. That he is, is insane our second from best what happened pitcher. Last year. Yeah. Um, I do want to have a note on Kevin Gosman here too. His start was good. So he went seven innings, struck out six here. Um, nowhere in runs. I do want to add with Shane McClanahan of the Rays going down and likely won't pitch again this season, likely going to have Tommy John surgery. I think this Cy Young award is Kevin Gosman's to lose, by the way. Um, and he added a sweeper, Riley, that, that was getting some buzz on the pregame show and whatnot. He only threw the quote-unquote sweeper twice in this start here, but he threw it quite a bit. And I think this is another weapon to try to neutralize that left-handed batter against Kevin Gosman because he's always been the fastball splitter. And the splitter has been the probably 
if not the best, a top three best individual pitch in all of baseball. And now that he's added the slider, which he's actually threw 2.6 miles an hour slower in this start too, to kind of get that more break, that more sweep to it. The horizontal movement, I guess, is what he's going for here. If Kevin Gosman can successfully add this pitch to his repertoire, dude, it's over. Like, just hand him the Cy Young Award now. Like, Kevin Gosman is going to go on this David-esque price run and carry this Blue Jays team. I'm certain of it. So there are certain pitches that come out of, uh, you know, arm slots. And for Gosman, he's uh, changed a lot in his delivery. And the fastball in the splitter is a very deceptive pitch in comparison because one, you know, stays in the zone, obviously, the fastball. And then one falls right off the table, that being the splitter. And if he can if he can operate a pitch um, as, with horizontal movement uh, as well as drop, that will be something lethal, especially if it's coming out of the same arm slot yep. with similar, you know, sp- you know, not spin out of the hand, but kind of a release point. Um, obviously, you know, p- you can you can tip pitchers. I, I read a thing that uh, if p- players who hit Randy Johnson hit Randy Johnson well um, because he threw almost completely different, whether that's true. I mean, you can run the tape on Randy Johnson. He's still got the second most amount of strikeouts all time. Doesn't really matter. He just would beat you there. But for Kevin Gosman, uh, he's not eight feet tall and throws 101 miles an hour. So he's got to use his other tools, um, which is, you know, his movement on his pitches. And I think if he develops a sweeper um, that's coming from the same place as maybe his splitter. But guys won't be just swinging over the top. Um, those are where you get really ugly swings as a left-handed batter myself. I've swung over the top at a lot of pitches, obviously, <laughs> Me too. Me but too. You, when they fall on the top of your shoe, while you're making a swing, you feel that much more, you know, why the heck did I swing at that? Gosman has a real chance to develop another weapon in his already refri- refined arsenal of pitches. Yeah, we're running out of time, Riley. So we do got to move through the rest of these here quick. Hunjin Ryu is good. Four innings pitch, only allowed two base runners before he had to be pulled. I will say the changeup looked good from Hunjin Ryu. It looked like vintage Hunjin Ryu. I was thoroughly impressed. His injury, although it looked painful on the field, John Schneider says he seems to be day to day. He just took a hard bruise. That's it. And assuming he can put weight and pressure on it, he should be good to go for his next start. Uh, my question is, Riley, though, the Blue Jays have two off days next week. Are we still going to use the six-man rotation? We used it. The idea was the Blue Jays had like 17 games in 17 days. We're almost done that stretch now. Should the Blue Jays stick with the five-man rotation in 30 seconds or less? Uh, well, hey, it depends on what's ha- what happens. And um, I'm, I'm glad that Hunjin Ryu is okay. Mm-hmm. But he was definitely my odd man out as far as things goes. But uh, Jesse, his pitches look fantastic. I am quite uncertain what will happen. And as far as my take on it, Jesse... I, I don't know what I think is best for this team because our pitching has been that good and it's coming from a lot of different sources. Yeah, I just don't know how you can tell Ryu or Manoa, hey, um, you've been good, but we got to move something. Like, I don't know how you tell people. And I'm worried that sometimes, like, if Kevin Gosman has eight days rest, like, don't you want Kevin Gosman pitching more than every eight day, you know? And that just seems to be the bugaboo for the uh, rotation here. Riley, before we move on to the bullpen stuff and some other injuries, man, we have a lot to get through on this little three-game series. Let's do a Davis Schneider check-in, Riley, because we started our last episode with Davis Schneider. He's the king of all kings. He's going to save the Blue Jays season. And in game one, he was 0 for 4. Gavin Williams really got to him. He didn't play in game two. And in game three, he was 0 for 2, but did have two walks. So 
Davis Schneider check-in after his second series in the big leagues. My check-in, just looking at the numbers alone, is he's a guy that can draw walks. Mm-hmm. You look at his on-base percentage over um, those games, it's very high. All the numbers are high, Jesse. It will take a few more games for those to really average out even close to what they would be in 120 games or less. Um, hey, I still think the kid's going to be an incredible ball player. Um, I mean, it's not too often you have debut series like that. But as for right now, I do not mind him in this Blue Jays lineup. I think he is a very good tool, a very good weapon. And, you know, he can obviously pop off and have big games. And I think that's important because, Jesse, I don't want to go run the tape back on it, but we've had a lot of players that have not had big games. So if we can get that out of Davis Schneider, then I'm more than willing to make him an everyday player for the time being. And let's go to the bullpen now to round it all out here. Um, as you mentioned, Jordan Hicks got a save here. Um, the Blue Jays have actually looked pretty good. Their bullpen ERA, I think, is number one in baseball through the uh, through since the All-Star break. Like, Nate Pearson can't even get a sniff on this roster right now because the Blue Jays' bullpen has been so damn good. Um, I wanted to touch on a few things. One, Jay Jackson still hasn't allowed an earned run. He pitched in game two of this series. Was solid. Got over an inning. Genesis Cabrera, since he has come over now, Riley has had eight scoreless appearances in his nine games with Toronto. And in six of those outings, he hasn't even allowed a base runner. Nine and a third innings pitch, five hits, one walk, nine strikeouts in his time here. And that doesn't include Tim Meza, who has an ERA plus of like 800 or something crazy. And Jimmy Garcia and the two guys that were getting saves, Eric Swanson and um, Jordan Hicks for this Blue Jays team. And doing all this without Jordan Romano. So, Riley, just a quick thought on the bullpen before we move on here. Uh, honestly, I can summarize it up in, in pretty quick. I personally have not felt this comfortable with a bullpen. Um, wow. I, I was going to say in a very long time, but I don't think I honest, honestly, Jesse, I don't think I've ever felt more comfortable in my life with a Toronto Blue Jays bullpen. And I truly do mean that. Like, I think our back end guys could be set up men for most teams. And it's it's unbelievable what the Blue Jays have done with this bullpen. And that's even a young, you know, potentially wild arm like Genesis Cabrera. That's a guy who struggled like Eric Swanson. That's a journeyman like Jay Jackson. They've all been great. Tim Mays has been great. Jordan Hicks in his time here has been great. Garcia, he's still great. Like we have gotten a lot of good performances and it's not a spotty at all. It's the opposite. Bullpens are usually spotty. The Toronto Blue Jays bullpen is consistent, and we need that, and it's kept us in a lot of close ball games. I just want to run some numbers here real quick on the Blue Jays bullpen in ERA minus, which is very similar to WRC plus for hitters, but the where 100 is league average, but for the minus, the lower number is the better with 100 being league average. So if you have a 90 in this, you are 10% better than league average. Jay Jackson's ERA minus Riley is 11. He is 89% better than league average. Tim Meza, 27. And like there are other names in this list. Jordan Romano has been great all year. Well, great-ish all year. 66. Genesis Cabrera, 69. Trevor Richards is on the IL right now. We can't even get in this bullpen. 71. That's better than Kevin Gosman, who's 76. Like you, like Jimmy Garcia has been league average this year, I guess. And that's because he went through some bad stretches. But that's it, Riley. This bullpen is nuts right now. Like I said, I've never been, I don't think I've ever been more comfortable with a Blue Jays bullpen. It's, wow. There's a lot of, a lot of pieces clicking right now, and it looks really good. That Cabrera trade, that Hicks trade, 
that looks really smart right now because it came at the perfect time. And in the playoffs, that's how you're going to win ball games. A few minor news and notes here. We talked about the Hunjin Ryu injury. He should be good to go to make his next start. Just want to point out Paul DeYoung is two for 29 as a Blue Jay. Yikes. That's got to be a little better for you, uh, Paul DeYoung. Kevin Kiermeyer did go on the IL. It does expect to be a very, in- like a quick stay. He'll probably come off as soon as his 10 days are up. Nathan Lucas is on the roster to replace him. And Riley, uh, Bo Bichette is doing some strengthening exercises. So, which means there is some damage in that ligament. I do think he'll be on the IL or for a little longer than his 10 days, but the Blue Jays still plan expect to get him back playing games probably on a rehab assignment not too far off in the future and uh riley i know if you look this on the farm but chad green was hit in the head by his own catcher after trying to throw out a runner in second base there he is going to be on the seven day concussion il and then he's going to begin another rehab assignment look there isn't a spot in the bullpen for chad green right now but you hope he's okay you never like seeing a guy getting hit in the head and it was going to be a very great story for chad green I wonder who threw that ball. Was that, um, I'm going to guess that was, I was going to say like, uh, Yimmy Garcia's agent who threw that (laughs) ball. Like, like, I mean, Holy cow. How unlucky can you get with, you know, with injuries? Well, same with Ryu. I mean, that's awful. I thought he was in big trouble when he took that off the shin, but Hey, like, uh, as far as Bo goes, just to wrap this up real quick, it, it makes I'll do it almost as a as a how you would talk, you know, to a couple when you're going through couples therapy. Not that I ever needed that, but I'll do that. <laughs> I feel I feel worried that Bo Bichette is not playing and that he's hurt. I feel better that the team around him is able to win ball games. And that's Correct. what I'll put about that because we still if Bo Bichette's not in the lineup. There is no if ands, or buts. We will miss Bobachet. And we obviously, we, we do. We do miss Bobachet. No question. Riley McConnell, passionate Blue Jays fan, podcast co-host, and now giving relationship advice and marriage advice on the show. You get it all here at Buds don't, and Blue Jays. Don't man. ever take marriage or any <laughs> advice like that from me. That's an awful idea. My best advice, I, I, I can't. I won't get political with this. Baseball, folks. Baseball. <laughs> Swing hard in case you hit it. That's my baseball advice uh, to end up the show here. Um, that'll do it for our episode here today, guys. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please remember, if you haven't already, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Jays have a big series coming up at home against the Chicago Cubs, and it is Jose Bautista going into the level of excellence. So if you can make your way down to the Rogers Center this weekend, please do so. It'll be great, great, great to see one of the biggest Blue Jays of all time finally get honored into the level of excellence. I'm sure we'll mention it on our episode on Sunday. Riley, do you have any final thoughts before we call it an episode here today? I will probably pour my... Uh, Jose Batista moments. Um, if you're to ask me about, we'll probably have the favorite Blue Jay moment for Bautista, and we're not allowed to use the uh, you know the seventh inning home run yeah. against the Rangers. That's that's it would be a no go. I could still come up with seven I, probably great. Yeah. Like I mean, it's a player you could talk endlessly about, Jesse. Obviously, um, you know we're going back. I mean, 2015. You know, um, you know I might have just blinked my eyes, but then like eight years went by, and uh, it's not 2015 anymore. But he was here for a, he was here for a hot minute. He came in like a like a hurricane and and smashed a ton of home runs and absolutely led an era 
uh, of this Blue Jays team, which was I, w- when I look back 20 years from now or whenever, I will probably just deem it the Jose Bautista era of Toronto Blue Jays. Just like if you called it the Joe Carter era or the Carlos Delgado or the Roy Halladay era. Roy Halladay era, yeah. So, say you could say that's the exact same thing. You put Jose Bautista's name on the top of that team title, those three, four, five years, however you want to say they were led by for sure. Level of excellence is where he belongs, and he will be on the Hall of Fame ballot next year as we get into the offseason. I'm sure we'll talk about that frequently. Until then, guys, let's go Blue Jays. Let's win the game tomorrow afternoon against Cleveland, and let's get ready for the Shy Sox. We'll see you next time. Or the Shy Cubs. The Cubs. The Cubs. The Cubbies. Thanks, guys. Thanks.